listening to 9to5.cc podcast. The 9to5 Entertainment System is a Patreon-supported podcast. So I'd like to say thank you to everyone who's gone to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and shown us some love. And you could join the millions of lovers by doing the same thing. This is the 9to5 Entertainment System. What do we talk about, boys? Bucky Larson, born oh to be a star. That's like half the episode. Schwarzenegger on film. <laughs> Dark Phoenix, Dark Crystal... We talk about Hot Rod, we talk about the new Tool album and Elton John, and we also finish off discussing Enter the Florpus. That's true. Uh, Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star, is the greatest thing I've ever made you watch. I'm just saying that. I'm so happy that half the episode is about Agnes! I, yes. Things on my list, man. You're watching fucking Jesus. Uh, is that our top story? <laughs> Absolutely. This, uh, <laughs> what's so abysmal is that it's, you know, if it was just slightly more relevant, you know, maybe the movie could have come out in the last two years and then it would have been uh, like a, like other, it might have still been on people's radars. Because mm-hmm. I think this is like deservedly vanished from the public eye. Yeah. Probably. I mean, uh, just like the creators of this movie, uh, and uh, and tragically, well, Miss Ricci. No, well, no, 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 no. She just her so, Hollywood career for her movie career. Like she had, like Lizzie Borden was like well acclaimed. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Z, the beginning of everything, was well acclaimed. Like she's done. She got people really like Pan Am. Just no one watched it. Yeah, exactly. Pan Am was also critically acclaimed, but then kind of got knocked down. Like mm-hmm. she definitely got knocked out of the big screen, and I think she recouped. And landed on her feet on the small screen. <laughs> That's kind of what I don't understand about Hollywood in general. Because I don't know how you could blame her for any of this. Like, she showed up and she she did hard work in what must have been a miserable Well, the reason you can blame her is because she signed on the dotted line. Like, it, or, it lowers your overall value, I guess? I, I mean, like, like, I suppose that's the... And I mean, that maybe... And maybe, like, the fact that she's not pure trash in it is what allowed her to salvage... You know, anything, anything yeah. you know, like, like was people who like her agent or whatever was like, yeah, but guys, that wasn't, it wasn't her, that it wasn't, wasn't Christina fault, Ricci. Yeah. And I mean, and on top of that too. So obviously listener, we're talking about Bucky Larson, obviously. born to be a star. The 2010 a star uh, happy star Madison. Born. I thought it was born to be a star. A star is born is the actual, oh, yeah. uh, the actual born to be a star. Yeah. Yeah. Born yeah. to be a star. And Christina Ricci's role is the love interest in it as the love interest. And I mean, like you, even like you said, yeah, she signed on the dotted line or whatever. Cause maybe like there's a, there's a pitch somewhere where they're going to be like Swartzen and Ricci is going to be the new Barrymore and Sandler. Like that rom-com like chemistry. Right. Like it could be like a, a, even a string of movies where you guys play opposite each other. He'll play the doof and you play the, like, you know, like, like there's a pitch there that like, you know what I mean? Like, like sells the concept, right? But like, what it underestimates is the absolutely unfunny, <laughs> unapproachable, unlikable protagonist upon whom hangs all of the aspirations of this film. He's like the core of every scene. If you don't find him funny, and you will not, <laughs> then nothing is going to land in the film. Um, like, how, how do you explain how unlikable the character is? Like, it's just so tell us, tell us about not, the film. Not even, not even like reprehensible. Just ill-conceived un- unpleasant to look at on the screen and listen to and to think about and to every every moment yeah. is is miserable with Bucky 
So here's the plot of the film. Okay. Bucky Larson is um, uh, enormously buck-toothed uh, simpleton from Ohio who discovers that his parents were briefly porn stars who had a, like a like a big run of making movies together. They were very, very popular, and then they retreated to their simple life in Ohio. So he decides that he is going to go and find his fortune to be a porn star, but when he arrives in L.A., it is discovered that he has a micropenis. Mm-hmm. And um, and everybody at first makes fun of him, including you know the villain of the story, uh, Huge Shadow. I think he was called Dick Shadow. Dick Shadow. So he's like the the villain. He tries to get a job with Dick Shadow, and then Dick Shadow makes fun of him. And then and then this other producer finds out that he's the son of uh, these stars and tries to use that as an angle to sell some movies. And then guys like see the nostalgia market of yeah. porn. Of course. Right. And so people see his movie and then he ejaculates upon seeing naked breasts like a frantic monkey because he's never been exposed to a naked woman before. So like no contact necessary. She takes her top off and he just like starts screaming like a monkey. Mm-hmm. I'm chuckling here at how miserable this whole affair is. <laughs> Not for a single second at his his monkey Whatever. His monkey shenanigans. So, um, and then there becomes a market for this movie because, and the this, this series of movies that he makes, because guys, maybe they like to see a guy with a smaller penis. And, uh, you know, the girls, they don't feel so bad about their boyfriend's small penis when they see this miserable film. Right. Anyway, so everything happens predictably. Christina Ricci shows up. She's the waitress at the diner. He, they has, have a crush. The bad movie producer sends her away. Then they get back together. And then they split up at the end. I really... No, they get married. Right, they get married. Great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they run the little restaurant that she always wanted to do because Christina Ricci's character's magnificent aspiration is to be a waitress. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Life goals. That's the that's the film. That's the synopsis. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, so this it, was directed by Tom Brady, who had previously directed two other movies, mm-hmm. The Hot Chick with Rob Schneider, yeah. the body swap yep. comedy mm-hmm. hilarity one. You forgot to put air quotes on comedy. We all were thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and what was the other one? The accents? I thought. I thought. Uh, I and the other one was the lost to time and memory uh, sports spoof movie called The Comebacks. Uh, hmm. No one remembers it. No one even sure it so exists. You, we, and then he made this movie and never directed again. So we were talking about this in the pre-interview back in the green room um, <clears throat> about that Bucky Larson. T- didn't so this movie was written by Nick Swartzen and Adam Sandler and someone else or whatever. The, the list though is Adam Sandler, the other guy, and then Nick Swartzen. Right, right in that order. So this, I, I think you point directly at Adam. Sure, maybe, but I mean, but that also just With might be anything improv on the screen on set. Yeah, but that also might just be billing, right? It's like it's like I know yeah, that, that like true. like because you get more money for being first mentioned and stuff, right. right? So even if you didn't necessarily write it, that's like that's. A, it's supposed to be the order of contribution, yeah. but it also is right, order right, right. of money, right? So Adam might have just been like, put my name first that I can get more money. But he did do – so. And, and Scott posited that Nick Swartzen got a little blacklisted from Adam's gig, but he didn't. Not at all. It's cameos. He was still in That's My Boy. He was still in Grown Ups 2. He no, was no, no, still no, no, in you... Pixels. Read those roles that he's in. Yeah, they're small. Yeah. But I'm just saying he's, he's still tossing his boy some coin. He hooked him up onto Hotel Transylvania 2 money as a small voice actor, but still. No, that, that's not a character in the movie. That's... He's playing like a bystander as a voice actor in an animated feature. Like, he gets nothing. Scale. He's not playing... <laughs> he yeah. gets scale, he which gets is scale, in a... which Hollywood is like scale is still bucks. something. It's like 200 bucks a day. It's sad. He gets less speaking time in Adam Sandler's next movies 
than those two guys that Adam Sandler went to high school with that he puts in all his movies. <laughs> the movie cost $7 million to make, and it made only 1.6. So it lost it, money. It but... made a, the majority of its money in the first weekend it was open. Yeah. In the next weekend, it made $88 a theater. <laughs> and then was pulled immediately afterwards. And I think they didn't allow pre-screenings, right? So it yeah. went it went live without anybody being able to talk about just how miserable it was. <clears throat> um, God, can you imagine how bad it would have been if critics were able to like review it before it showed up? Yeah, but he's still throwing yeah. Swartzen into his Netflix movies, like The Do-Over and Sandy Wexler and Ridiculous Six. Again, not... Again. Yeah, but he was never really the star. I think this this he was, was supposed the, he was a TV star like Reno right. 911. He was the guy. Yeah, but that's it. But I think that he was supposed to be. This was supposed to be his breakout film to like Rob smash it. smash him out of being one of just Adam Sandler's buddies and like right. here's the here's the here's the new guy and he well, goes into being one of Adam Sandler's least successful buddies. Yeah, exactly. He's got bills to pay. Put him in the movie, man. I, I would love to know whose idea the character was. Because that's really the crux of it all. Yeah, it's, but, it's like a towering obelisk of unfunny... The conceit. The Ill. central conceit of the movie yeah. is yeah. bad. Yeah. And Nick Swartzen just defends this thing. Does he? Like, I mean, you, you got to defend a couple of quotes here and there. You're going to say something to try and get people into no, the theaters. He, but his quote is straight up aggro. He has yeah. two, two major, uh, major defenses. Yeah. Right? One is that he... In October 2011, so this is just post... Like, what, two years later? Sure. When did it come out? 2010, 11, somewhere around there. Hang on. I want to know what, what is released date. Okay, no. September. So this is like a month later. So it came out September 9th. It's already been pulled. 2011. <laughs> yeah. so this it's is o- been pulled less yeah, than a month yeah, yeah. later. October, October 2011 interview, which he blamed the poor financial showing on the difficulties of advertising the material. To promote an R-rated movie with commercials with this character was just really, really hard. It was hard to get the movie across to people. The trailers and theaters were really tame because we couldn't show any of the insanity. insanity. And even if we did it, it wouldn't hit because it had no context. It was really frustrating. He then predicted the movie would find more appreciation on DVD. Which it hasn't. No. Which it hasn't. Also, I mean, not true. There's, there's well, a nothing... copy was purchased and John owns one. That is true. I, I, I was going <laughs> to save that for the end of this whole segment, but it is true, I was dear like, listener. It did do... I, I own this film on Blu-ray. <laughs> it did do better on DVD somehow <laughs> because someone bought it as a, like a screw you joke at Keithness. That's, uh, and that's how I own it. It mm-hmm. was a screw you joke gag gift exactly. that, uh, so, I, mean, that I had forgotten about. And my girlfriend, who had actually looked at that the wall of movies that I have and remembered <laughs> this for some reason, reminded me. Uh, there is no raunchy scene in that movie. That is funnier than the garbage that is in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, there's no, there's, there's like, it's, it's like a wall of unfunny. It's incredible how much every joke doesn't land. And you, you like, maybe you go through a phase in the movie, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on, I'm gonna try and chuckle at some of this stuff, and you can't, you can't. It's just so unlikable. So. Swartzen also dismissed the negative reviews. Yeah. Uh, I knew the critics were going to bury us because of the acting. <laughs> What? Because of the I... acting, how it was written and directed. So I'm like, yeah, wait, hang on. Pause on yeah. next words. What else is there, buddy? <laughs> I knew they were going to bury us because of the acting, how it was written and directed. Well, those are usually the reasons I hate I, a movie. I'm going to go if, out or like a movie. I was yeah. like, if any of those three things are like bad, if I will acting, like a movie. If the acting, direction, and script are terrible, yeah. man, I can't believe the critics went after us on those <laughs> three things. I have to disagree with him strongly. I do not think the acting is what failed this movie. Because uh, his character was, was played about as well as you could have given the script and the setup. Christina Ricci... Everyone's, everyone's character was played about as well as played you could have. Yeah. No one went way off script here to tank this movie. No. 
Absolutely There was not. no Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan in this movie. Yeah. Like, none of that happened. Anyway, none of those reviewers uh, were psyched to see Bucky Larson and laugh. They go in with the mentality, fuck these guys for making another movie. They go in there as kind of a headhunt. It makes me laugh because it's just so embarrassing. It makes them look like such morons. It most certainly does not, Nick. It does not. <laughs> Nicholas. Nicholas. Uh, but I, I really want to emphasize this. I think the actors, and like you can complain about Dick Shadow, what's his name? Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff. He's doing the Stephen Dorff thing, and he doesn't do it badly. He has bad lines, and, and his he character is, is, is funny. His character is not played any worse than like Rob Lowe in uh, Wayne's World. Definitely not. Right. He's, he's like a cartoon villain. And in fact, I think these characters are written to be like a... They're always kind of the same stupid villain and they all whatever. Yeah. I, it, it was not that. It was it was badly written and ill-conceived. I want to see some high-star high audience reviews. I'm looking on Rotten Tomatoes. Nobody's going to give this a... Well, someone said, of course, it was weird and a little gross, but it was still funny. But that doesn't like get into it. Mm. It's like Adam, really high or something, right yeah, late at night. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, this movie makes little Nicky look... Someone gave Outrageously it outrageously funny. Oh yeah, makes this makes all like... of the bad Adam Sandler movies look great. Yeah, yeah. A Maybe of... that's it. That's what it is. He wants his back catalog to be. A friend of mine recommended fun. this and watched it with me. It was at that moment I knew I needed new friends. <laughs> <laughs> half a star from Jason Ann on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, that half star is very generous. Well, Jason, Matteo but... D, uh, to your point, yeah. uh, is the next half star, which says, "I cannot rate this film zero stars." <laughs> <laughs> Like, apparently, like... Right, it's a point five to 5 yeah, exactly. scale. Yeah, exactly. You so. cannot... I see. Oh, man. Well, I there are, there are scenes in this movie, Keith, where actresses playing porn stars, beautiful women, take their top off. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing this, looking at their perfect breasts, going, ugh, fuck this movie. It just... It, it destroys everything it touches. It was so bad. It was so bad. So, John, you posited a uh, a bit of a conspiracy theory earlier. Yeah. uh, About the fact that perhaps this movie was to take the heat off of... Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill. Which came out in the same year, and Jack and Jill got six Razzies. This guy was nominated... This one was nominated for every category that Jack and Jill won. Yeah. And Jack and Jill took them all. So, it is possible, you know, maybe there's a world where Adam Sandler is getting the heat off of his, his disaster flop from the same year. Or... Maybe there is another third movie that is not a Happy Madison production for which Adam Sandler was paid to take the heat off of. Like, or, or some other bizarre Hollywood circumstance of finances where they need a certain, you know, they fail on a movie and they can claim insurance or, you know. Because how could you look at this in the editing room in, in a final pass, you know. Just at, like, send at, this to print. Send this. To, okay, this is it. We're done. And this is the movie we're going to try and put in theaters. There's just no way. 2011 was an abysmal year for comedy. What else? So, uh... 10 or 11? 2011. Right. Right, because this came out in 2011. Uh, so The Dilemma slash Zookeeper, uh, yeah. just Kevin, horrible Kevin James films, yeah. apparently. Uh, Your Highness. Oh, yeah, that was rough. I'm looking at bad movies in 2011. Yeah, yeah. Your Highness was real bad. Uh, The Change Up, which was a body switch comedy, uh, genre with, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman. Oof. Oh, yeah. I saw bits of that. Boy, those guys had a rough go. Good for them, though. They, they, they pulled on out. Oh, Beastly. I do recall Beastly. Didn't see that. Beastly was a, like a, a teen redo of um, Beauty, and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, which was awful. The Smurfs movie. Well, look, that, that put some coin in the pocket of our good friend David Cross. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess. But Dirty Girl? 
Uh, I don't know about anything about Dirty Girl. Uh, the Undefeated. I met with you. This movie's a hundred times worse than. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. And Atlas he- Shrugged Part One. <laughs> <laughs> That's Man. a candidate for for this best movie ever category. You, did you notice? That? I'm, I'm sort of rethinking a lot of Anne Rand's theories. After we that we both completely movie. gave up on any notion of trying to sell this movie as enjoyable, which as, is the original no. format of this this little segment. As per the AV Club, Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star, was only the third worst film of the okay. 2011 uh, roster. Underneath. Uh, Human Centipede 2. Oh, no way. Incor- incorrect. Oh, absolutely incorrect. Incorrect. Yeah. Just and then, and then based yes. on nothing else but delivers on promises. Yeah. Human Centipede 2. You know what you're getting, and it oh, gives it to no, you. No, no, no. You don't know what you're getting, because Tom Six made fucking Human Centipede 1, and then, he, and then everybody was like, okay, it was ugly, I guess, but it was really bad. And then he said, this next one is going to make it look like a Disney movie. And he was absolutely successful. Yeah. And, and there, was, there was artistic shots in Human Centipede 2. I wrote a 1,500-word article about oh, how yeah. miserable that movie is. You can find that on the website. But you again, can. delivers yeah. on promises. Delivers exactly. on Which promises. is the exact opposite of Bucky Larson, which absolutely. is like, this it, is funny it is not not. so anyway uh it was a tie for first place because apparently just go with it and this is the movie that i think that they were probably trying to take the heat off okay so jack and jill was also the worst movie was ranked number one but it was tied with just go with it because just go with it was an adam sandler uh nicole kidman jennifer aniston uh property that was abysmal i saw just go with it Yeah. yeah Bucky Larson is so much worse. Right. So much worse. But, no, but, 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 but that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. So, like, Bucky Larson and Jack and Jill are two Adam Sandler joints pulling a lot of heat off of how bad this movie is. Do you know what I mean? Like, everybody forgot that Just Go With It was awful. Yeah. Because it was probably, like. Overshadowed by the towering colossus of misery. Of not just Jack and Jill, Bucky but Larson. also Bucky Larson. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's actually possible. Right. Because a Nicole Kidman, Jennifer Aniston vehicle. Like, does need that. How did the two of them get in a movie with Adam Sandler? Because Adam Sandler likes Adam Sandler. She's done a... And Adam Sandler also, it's bank. It's so much bank. Think about, what was his his Netflix deal? The, like, how much money did he get paid by Netflix? Apparently those movies do very well. Because they're Adam, they have a built-in... Yeah. Netflix deal. I haven't seen a single one of them. No, nope, neither. I've, I've, I, I, I tried five minutes of um, the Miserable Six or whatever, Ridiculous and I six. Ridiculous Six, and I it, it just it was not not that great. Ridiculous Six lost me when all of the native actors bailed off on set. it. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, that's a I'm, sign. I'll, I'll just stand with you on this one, boys. <laughs> yeah. So what was it? I, th- I can't remember the exact amount. Not, so I'm trying to figure not it. For, not for nothing, but like a lot of those actors. We'll do whatever it takes to get get on screen. Oh, yep. And they were like, no, this is the line. So I can't – I'm trying to figure the exact monetary amount, but Adam Sandler uh, signed a four-picture Netflix deal mm-hmm. and then got extended by another four films in 2014, extended by another four films in 2017. All of them have been universally panned by critics. But people got to be watching them. Obviously. Yeah, like Netflix, oh, they yeah. said The Ridiculous Six was the highest-watched – Netflix exclusive movie they ever had when they released it. Yeah, they said it was something like ten or fifteen well, million watchers. Let's, in let's the just first week. pop back into our heads the wise words of Mr. George Carlin. Think of how dumb the average person is, and then realize half of everybody's dumber, dumber. than that. Right. So apparently, so the, to- the total deal uh, is a, an estimated two hundred and fifty million dollars that Sandler Mother made. Of fucking god, Sandler made for, yeah. for those eight movies. Okay, okay, but this this is not. Cool. I'm he, glad he made a whole bunch of money. But yeah. he can be funny. Yeah. I know. And he did not even not cameo to. in this one, right? Yeah. And Rob Schneider did not even cameo in this one. They stayed fucking off of it. No Bashami? 
So looking oh, at looking at the list, not. Buscemi was already like on Boardwalk Empire by that point. Yeah, but like, he still comes back and does. For, it. Yeah, for an Adam yeah. movie, yeah. not for yeah. a Nick Swartzen movie. Looking at the list, Scott has already said that this movie is worse than this giant paper mache boulder is actually really heavy. Which is a which movie is, I hated. Which is at uh, number one sixty four. Below it, we have the Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, sequel. Let's do the time warp again, mm-hmm. and then underneath that is Leonard Part Six. Right, the Bill Cosby so comedy. Rocky Horror, I feel, always has a bit of an edge because at least the songs are okay. Yeah, <laughs> were these just remounts of the original songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they're they're worse than the original songs, but it's still a good song. It's still no a good song. Even you if can't carry you, you can't mess with the time warp, like. I'm sure Nick Swartzen would probably be a better... I mean, Bucky Larson would be a better movie if there was like a pretty good version of the time warp in the middle. So then the conflict then, becomes... <laughs> holy shit. Bill Cosby. There, are, there are good songs that show up in the soundtrack, and I like them less now. <laughs> of Bucky Larson. Oh, my God. Like, so, oh, hey, I like that song. Yeah. Why is it here? Fuck that. I feel that way about Bohemian Rhapsody for appearing in not only Suicide Squad, but also Suicide Squad, but also the film Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> It's made me enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody less. Uh, I, I mean, I guess John yeah. said that you would potentially take the I, bullet. I really think the, the, the for the, science, the, yeah, for science. The bottom <laughs> position on our list is so crucial. It's, it says something about us as people if we despise so, Leonard Part Six or this more. So the thing is, 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 and things to keep in mind on your future viewing yeah. when we when we come up with this ranking yeah. is also like the framing of history, Absolutely. where Nick Swardson has not in jail for sexually assaulting women. Dozens of women. <laughs> right? So I'm like, that might give him an edge to to dodge the worst movie category yeah. where Bill Cosby certainly is. Uh, oh, my God. Are you guys willing shoots, to hold off? He on? shoots semen on an old lady who's like, I can't wait around here. A bird pooped on me. And then walks away. Yep, that's the joke. Uh-huh. That's the joke. But see, but if they could have showed that in the trailers, maybe more people would have come out. To see, uh, I, maybe, but that would not. Do have you see his tiny, tiny, tiny micro penis prosthetic pee pee? Not close up. They but never give yeah, a close up. They give you like enough. while he's standing on the thing, and they're all making fun of him, but never mm. close. because ah. I mean, like that to me, like that's a reveal, like a like a full frame. But Th- think about um, <laughs> like remember in the Hangover Two where they're, they they find uh, yeah Chow yeah yeah Chang the pile Chang Chang I forget what he is in. <laughs> He's, he's, did we just be really racist? Well, he's Chang in uh, Community. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit. Okay. Ken, Ken Jeong is the yeah. actor. We're yeah. not just racially <laughs> profiling. Um, like, as bad as that joke is, it's so funny in comparison. Okay, but it's important like, that it's a throwaway gag in there, whereas yep. in this, most like the plot of the film hangs upon the micro penis. Right. Right. That then, so I also we talked about this. I How Googled, did they drag that joke around? I Googled uh, when when you guys were texting me talking about how Christina Ricci was like you felt bad for her. Oh, so bad. Uh, I Googled oh. Christina Ricci, Bucky Larson, and there's a clip of where she decides to lose her virginity to him, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. then she makes a teeny tiny condom out of a straw and like melts the tip. Yes. And then he's like, it fits. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's the a joke. joke. Yeah. And he gets he gets to have sex for real for the first time or something. Yeah, I guess with a straw. Yeah, on his side. That, Yay. yeah. This doesn't sound fun at all, guys. No, this whole scene. Was and I thought that was maybe the last movie, last scene in the movie. But you told me there's like 20 more minutes. Yes, unbelievably. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I mean, I guess locked in for the last spot. Oh yeah, it's probably. bottom, bottom, bottom two or, as yeah. to just to whether or not it can unseat Mr. Cosby. Mr. Cosby, and like I said, Nick Swartzen, as of yet, has. Is not spending jail for 
sexual assault of. Would even Bill Cosby realize Leonard Part Six was garbage? Yeah, Nick Swarston's adamant defense of this movie. I I still don't know that it's that adamant. If it was in the if it's in the month or two after the film came out, there's still a hope of grabbing at least one or two people to check out the yeah, movie. Yeah, I Google. I would say ten years later is when you're going to get his his. Yeah, that's it. I I tried to Google like what happened. And I couldn't find any like compelling. I couldn't either. I like I looked for how this was made. Nobody's done it. I looked for uh, yeah, know, a bunch of yeah. It's so sad. So potentially, the very it'll bottom. be a mystery for the ages of time. Yep. Why how this happened? But yeah. Oh man. Well, so... You got the Blu-ray. Yeah. I do. You know. Oh my God! If there's a a commentary track. Oh, oh yeah. That's a great idea. Actually, I will go check that out. Watch the director's <laughs> commentary but track. If I have to watch the movie again, I'm not going to. I will not. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I don't care about this that much. But I mean, but you could put like you could probably you could pop the Blu-ray into a computer and leave the audio track on while you're working or something, and just point. listen to the director's commentary without actually needing to like listen to it as to actually as, focus on the film. Again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As though it were a podcast to only. I hear can the just commentary. picture like Adam Sandler and. Nick Swarzen, like, cracking up, not able to talk because they're laughing so hard they're watching like, this, this movie. Hey, I feel like I'm a really tough dude when it comes to bad movies and, like, being able to draw some enjoyment out of miserable experiences. Like, I watched Thanatomorphose three times, yeah. right? One time in, in the theater and then one time to prepare and then one time for the final <laughs> writing of that article. And that's a movie that's, like, 190 minutes of a woman's body decomposing while yeah. she moans in pain. Mm-hmm. That's the whole movie. All right, that's better than this. <laughs> I like. Well, you said yeah. Well, we, yeah, we, Scott, we were talking about the the obvious point of comparison of Nothing But Trouble, which yeah. is a movie that made me physically uncomfortable while watching it. <laughs> yeah. And if you were to tell me, Scott, the next seven days, just before you go to seven bed, days. you have to watch one or the other, or the Ring Girl every comes day. at you to keep it in their curse. <laughs> Whatever. Just, just like, <laughs> like, the ring girl will crawl out of your television. The only way to keep her in the television is to watch either <laughs> Nothing But Trouble, Trouble or Bucky Larson. Like, I, will watch days, nothing but, right? I will watch Nothing But Trouble seven days in a row. I, at that point, like, I will not put Bucky Larson on to give myself a break mm-hmm. at any of those seven days. <laughs> it was so... That's amazing. Bad. Like, mm-hmm. it, felt, it felt like being in solitary confinement. Like you're watching this movie and... And you're just stuck. You're just there. You're, you're desperate for any kind of mental stimulation at all, and none of it is coming. It's, but I mean, now think about it this way: there's nowhere I felt to like go. The fucking kingpin staring at a white wall, like just cracking the wall. Shit, that. But now you bad. have nowhere to go but up in terms of when you watch that FIFA film. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> I'm not scared of the FIFA film. Like I, I watched Nothing But Trouble last night. It was the last time before we could record that I could watch a movie in Bucky, Bucky, Bucky Larson, Bucky Larson. Yeah, yeah. And, and I chose Bucky Larson instead of the FIFA movie because that FIFA movie filled me with such dread and now, now you're prepped. I'm like I made the bad choice <laughs> I <laughs> should have watched you it. didn't <laughs> alright guys <laughs> this is 25 minutes of Bucky Larson premium, what else is premium going on Bucky premium Larson content, content boys uh, I was talking about just one of the things that I don't know if we talked about on the podcast before mm-hmm. we might have when you mentioned director's commentary it made me think of that uh, have you heard about the like Arnold Schwarzenegger Arnold Schwarzenegger commentary tracks? Yep, they're so funny. <laughs> just uh, describes what's on the screen. He describes what's, what's he describes what's on the screen, and also says I instead of like saying like the character. So he's like, "Here I am. I'm about to see the weird little alien in his belly. Oh, oh look how weird and gross that is!" Like when he's like watching. It's Total Recall. Like, total Recall is the one you have to watch. Yeah, exactly. Being <laughs> like, There's next scene coming up. I'm going to see a girl with three titties. <laughs> There she is. <laughs> so, 
And he's like, I'm, he's going to say something and I'm going to get so mad I punch him. Now I'm mad. Watch me punch him. <laughs> like, it's him giving a play-by-play of what he's doing, what's about to happen, and referring to the character as I. Like, is this, like, on purpose? Or is I mean, this it must how be. He like, does... he sounds like he's having a real good time, like, doing yeah. it. Like, he's, like, he's having a lot of fun doing it. He, he just pop- has nothing insightful to say? Yeah. And just seems <laughs> to have a bunch of fun describing, like, it, it's as though... Like, he enjoyed making Total Recall, and then he explains to you kind of what was, like, so fun about each scene. But, like, mm. but not not giving any insight into the scene, just being like, this, no, was, no a, behind the scenes this was really fun. <laughs> so good. This next part is crazy. I'm going to stick a drill up my nose to get the probe out. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm pulling the probe out of my nose. This is where I'm screaming. We had to use a prosthetic head for this part. It's not real. And it, And now I put a towel on my head. Like, just... Wow. For an okay. hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Describing <laughs> everything that happens. He's going to make me so mad. I punched him really hard. But I'm like, but you didn't punch him really hard, Arnold. <laughs> like, or did you? <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is shoot fighting yeah. in every single scene. <laughs> They're like, it's really hard to work with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He and, punches you in the face. And, and he doesn't point. really understand acting. Did, did you guys all listen to his interview on The Nerdist from a few years ago? Yeah. Like... He's a gifted speaker. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's also a smart guy. And and, yeah. and a natural storyteller. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's no reason for him to be bad at this. I think he just did it because he's like, this is fun. <laughs> like, I'm going to do this in one take. Boom. Yeah. Uh, wow. So we're saying with bad movies because Scotch watched... Scotch. Scott watched Dark a bad Phoenix. movie oh, that yeah. is, um, I mean, more Speaking of timely. problematic people who make movies, uh-huh. Brian Singer. Why are you still working? Yeah. <clears throat> uh... Dark Phoenix is a bad X-Men movie. And I know that sounds surprising. Like, how could this happen? Well, a bad X-Men movie. Yeah. But you said it's bad Isn't even Brett by... Ratner part of his posse? Aren't they buddies? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. He Who's directed Brett? number th- X-Men 3. X-Men 3 mm, yeah. United. Yeah. Yeah. X-United. Which is the uh, the candidate for worst X-Men movie? No. Uh, Over oh, Age of Apocalypse? Age of Apocalypse. And really? I, I don't know. Uh... I don't really know. That's I haven't seen one. Age of Apocalypse, so yeah, I've, I've, I've save yourself. I've, I've, I've yeah, exactly. I, I've avoided There's them so until many, you made me yeah. watch them, like Wolverine. Like <laughs> I'm just saying, like I've, I've avo- which, by the way, was very generous compared to sure, fucking sure was. Arson. But I mean, I think yeah. that that was just more the fact that I had successfully not watched it in like yeah. 20 years or whatever <laughs> since it came out. Okay, okay. I'll, so, I'll say, so, is there anything in Dark Phoenix? I'll say, Dark Phoenix is better than X Men Origins Wolverine. It's better than Age of Apocalypse, and it's probably better than X3, just in terms of while they were making the movie, the cast didn't fall apart. Yep. Right. I was so bummed that when it came out and was panned, because I'm like, A, I do like the new cast. Like, I like mm-hmm. a lot of elements sure. of yep. the new cast, like Nicholas yep. Holt and... Uh, Fassbender. Like Fassbender. And James McAvoy. And I'm thinking of so It's really Turner. a very good cast yep. when you think about it. Right. And, yeah. that, like, so, like, I, I like the new cast. Plus, I'm like... Jessica, what's her face? Jessica Chastain yeah. and Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, the cast is fine. And I'm also, like, I'm a monstrous sucker for the 80s. Yep. Like, I'm like, I was like, man, slap some, like... Kenny Synth. Loggins and Kavinsky or whatever all over X-Men and just ju- have Jubilee hanging out in a mall. And I was like, Pink Woo! neon. Yeah, Go. exactly. Yeah. Neon everywhere. Have them play Double Dragon or something. I don't care. Yeah. Like, into it. Like, and then everyone's like... Misses all of that. Yeah, exactly. Like, awful. Like, I mean, yeah. like, how does it miss that? Isn't that, that like, it was supposed to be an 80s kitsch yeah, no, kind of film? Missed 
anything, any Stranger Things type of of pop culture fandom. Like Dumb. it skips over that, which completely. is awful. Like like if you were just like I, and then when when the, I can't remember if it was always going to be Dark Phoenix. Or if it was just like the next one's going to be in the 80s and then it came out later that it was Dark Phoenix. Because yeah. I remembered like when I knew the next one was going to be in the 80s and then also like Jubilee was going to be in a part. I was like in my mind, I was like, yo, Mallrats, but X-Men. Like that was <laughs> that was in my mind what the movie could have been. And I was like, yep. uh, amazing. <laughs> like it would just be like the, the bulk of the movie is actually set in 92, 93. Oh, yeah. You know, that golden era. Sure. Everybody. Well, remember, man, that was grunge. Let's let's everybody remembers that, 92 and 93. That Xavier and Magneto. And and the first class movies happened during the Cuban Missile Crisis, mm-hmm. and they decide just like, oh, Xavier's bald, but Magneto, he's not going to age at all mm-hmm. in in thirty years. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Keeps, and Magneto um, has white hair in the comics. You'd think it was a freaking easy thing to give a little bit of this is a minor point to get angry at. No, but it is. But it is very strange at the same time because now they make these cultural touchstones in all of the movies as to when these things are set. And they give up on that. And then just like, meh, whatever. Okay, when what's the, the, what's the failure of the film? When like, did the I'm first X-Men movie come there's, out? There's a lot of failures in the film. Okay. One is they disregard continuity completely. Okay. So, Gene turns into Phoenix. Phoenix gets corrupted by power, mm-hmm. attacks the team, almost destroys everything. Team beats them up. Yeah. One of the first people to turn on her to say we we've got to put her down, we've got to stop this, no matter what, is Storm, who you may remember in the movie immediately preceding this was one of the horsemen of Apocalypse, who destroyed Cairo, a city of fifteen million people. Mm-hmm. Like just, man, no, there's no saving her. She's gone too far. She's done too many horrible things. She's killed like two people. <laughs> it's. Just unacceptable. Wildly inconsistent. Right. And two, there are villains in this movie that that come after Phoenix and come after the X-Men that I have no idea what they're called, where they're from. This is Scott. This is Scott. What (laughs) their names are. Until the credits rolled, I was like, oh, Jessica Chastain is playing Vuk. Okay. I don't know who that is. Was it a... I I have read the Dark Phoenix saga... Multiple times, probably like, even. Every year since 1986. Like, I just... <laughs> was Vuk in there, or was this made-up shit? No, it was no. just made-up shit. Like, like there's no you, Shi'ar, the, there's no Imperial Guard, there's no Hellfire Club. Like, they just have these weird aliens say, we have to take the Phoenix Force for ourselves. Why? If I, if I can also just put a, put a pin, because I was just looking, in, looking up this. So the movie takes place in 1992, 1993. Mm-hmm. So Michael Fassbender has not aged since the Cuban Missile Crisis... But then the original X-Men came out in 2000, so in seven years' time, he will age into Ian McKellen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he will just <laughs> rapidly age over the course of the 90s into Ian McKellen. <laughs> Tough days for Magneto. Exactly. Like, Drinking looking, real hard. Looking good. I mean, like you, you haven't aged the day since the 60s. The, the credits, oh, shit. The, the 90s. <laughs> Grunge was really hard on him. Yeah. <laughs> really hard. It's a lot of time in He was just going one-to-one with Kurt Cobain. <laughs> like... Just did, um, did a number on Magneto. The, the credits just ruined me because in the credits, in the movie, um, at one point, Gene goes to Magneto's farm. He's got this farm mm-hmm. where a bunch of mutants, it's like a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magneto says, Oh, the government gave me this land, you know, this as part of. I was like, is this anti government or anti farm? 
just like I don't know this is kind of weird and then the government comes to arrest her and they get into a fight and she leaves again saying oh, you were, I thought you were going to protect me and I'm like right. again he destroyed Cairo not too long ago as a henchman of mm-hmm. Apocalypse mm-hmm. weird guy to go to Gene and I don't think you've ever had a real conversation with him because when you showed up Sophie Turner he was a villain throughout the whole movie you guys were never buddy buddies even days Anyways. of future past like no mm-hmm. nope. yeah Yep. Anyways, in the credits, there are a couple of mutants in that scene that are listed as Genosian guards. And I'm like, that farm in the middle of the United States is not the island nation of Genosha. (laughs) What the fuck went wrong? Yeah. Oh, God, this movie bugged me. It looked nice. I'm sure. Like, I was like, like, even Age of Apocalypse had cool special effects and whatever. That's that's what I think probably happened is that they put it in the hands of Brett Ratner and they're like, okay, man, just go make an X Men movie. Brian Singer. Brian Singer. Singer, Great. Brian Singer. And then he he had no intention of connecting it into the story. He just wanted to make something that looked good and they didn't care. And and they also take your favorite characters from the first class universe and turf them right away. You're like, yo, man, remember Quicksilver? He's got those two things in every movie he makes. He gets that good. So he does the slow motion run up to the first confrontation with Jean and she pulls the floor out from him mm-hmm. but he's going so fast he falls mm-hmm. and that's it for the rest of the movie he's they put him on a stretcher and you don't see him again it's like oh yeah. fuck you Quicksilver what oh broken ankle yeah yep. not a plot point they just that's it your, your scenes are done go home now huh I mean thank goodness though because that meant more time for Tate in American Horror Story <laughs> and then <laughs> that was one of the good seasons too yeah. <laughs> and then yeah there's like a couple of fight scenes that are pretty interesting, and then um, a human guard is nice to the X Men after they've been arrested. So Hashtag that human guard humans. automatically gets killed, of and course. Nightcrawler gets so mad at this, he begins to murder aliens. Mm. Nightcrawler, okay. you know, Nightcrawler, the, the one who becomes a priest in the comic books because he's a giant pacifist. Yep, yeah. and like just generally a sweetie. He he's. <laughs> teleports a bunch of knives into people and then stabs an alien through the throat with his tail. Uh. Nightcrawl. I'm just like, everything goes wrong with this movie. It's, it's bad. Written it's by bad Frank movie. Miller. Do you, do you want to rank this thing? Is this <laughs> of, uh, you said already worse It's than better X-Men. than Age of Apocalypse. Okay. Okay. It's so well, bad. That brings it right on up because that's 146 right now. Oh, Underworld Blood War, another Wolf Cup. Scott, while you ponder, would you like another beer? Uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't have to ponder too, too That's much. Okay. What are you... Man, I liked another wolf cop, so it's not going above that. Yep. Well, there you go. Underworld Blood Wars. Did you, uh, did you catch that? Uh, I saw I mean, that. It, it, I, I'm the one who put that on the movie, but I don't remember it yeah, at all. I, yeah. I guess I would have put Dark Phoenix above it, because right. Blood Wars got was it. bad enough. got it. Another wolf cop. And uh, below, uh, beneath another World Cup, above Underworld Blood Wars. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I did actually watch Underworld Blood Wars while I was. At, it was like a workout movie, you know, like you turn yeah. it off, turn it on, whatever. And I, it was, it was like miserable and stupid, but it had, it had f- some fun fight scenes. I feel that we well, should then, get it. Like the I, the another yeah, World Cup guys some, are like yeah. a like small Canadian filmmakers and whatever. Yeah. I feel that we um pretty should should send them this to be like, hey, another Wolf Cup. Better than Dark Phoenix. <laughs> they could put that on their poster. Uh-huh. <laughs> 9to5.cc says another World Cop is better than the X-Men Brian vehicle. Dark and as, as we look at this list, I notice also that The Mummy is on there, the um, 
the, yeah. the remake. This list seems a little Tom out of Cruise. date, though. We yeah. are missing like yeah, four episodes missing a worth of stuff. More, more than that. And, um, and uh, the, yeah, you know, it was awful. It was just the absolute movie? dog shit. Yeah, yeah. I really wanted to try and find something to enjoy in it. And holy moly. Un, like Some of those effects were pretty cool. Some of the effects were pretty cool. Yeah, the, fight, the fight scene where Tom Cruise is like tumbling around the inside of the plane as it's flying around. Like, that was cool. The special effects were cool, but it sets up the, the, like a running thing through the movie, which is Tom Cruise is invincible. You know, like he gets yeah. flung out of stuff. He gets punched by gigantic robot monsters or no robots, but monsters. And, and, and just like nothing happens to him. He grunts and then he gets back up and keeps going. Everything was so toothless. That's the worst. Anyway. It, it, the mummy is still worse than the, yeah. the third Brendan Fraser mummy movie. Oh, Fair yeah. Enough. Not even close. All of those movies have had some fun in them. You know? <laughs> even the third one. Even the third one. <laughs> not great. Tom Cruise. So I have out of date watching from up to date. Zeitgeist okay. presence. So uh, this week, Netflix launched the Dark Crystal series. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, the Dark Crystal, Crystal series. And then because my wife is like a millennial or whatever, she was like, what's the Dark Crystal? And I was like, oh, it's like, I was like, it's kind of like a timeless classic, sort mm-hmm. of. Sure. And she was like, she's like, I've never heard of it. And I was like, well, yeah, because I never like, I never pushed the issue with watching Dark Crystal because she watched and hated Labyrinth. Yeah. And I was like, if you do not enjoy Labyrinth, you will not enjoy Dark Crystal. Because well, I'm like, t- okay. Yeah, probably. Take, take, take out, uh, like, a human viewpoint character, first yep. of all. So it's going to be a little harder to get into. Take out, like... David Bowie. David Bowie. Take out David Bowie music. Mm-hmm. And just leave, like, puppets on an adventure. And, and a lot of exposition. Like, a lot of exposition explaining the world and whatever. And then yeah. it's just, like, puppets on an, on a, on an adventure. But like, maybe pure Jim Henson magic could carry it. Uh, I mean, it? I'm not scared. I'm not yeah. like I'm, I'm. I was actually thinking about this. I don't really know where to rank it. It's not great. It's yeah. beautiful, and like the artistry and the puppetry and like the set work and stuff is pure Jim Henson yeah. magic yeah. or whatever. It that's that's there. It's and, a '70s fantasy movie made in the '80s with puppets. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, <laughs> I mean, and that was probably the pitch. Like, there's so much weird stuff in this movie where, and also then. <laughs> The introduction to it made me think of the Crystal Method album because, <laughs> because they used the quote of, like, yeah. another world, another, another time, in the age of wonder. It's like, uh, yeah. it's like, and yeah. The, yeah. The, the land was green and good until the crystal cracked. And then I'm like, because I was like, Crystal Method kicks in here. No, they don't. I'm actually watching the Dark Crystal. Uh, yeah, so, like, the overlying plot is that the planet was in a perfect balance and then the crystal cracked. I guess no like spoilers for a 40 year old movie like you get the in like they seem to indicate at the end that whatever the species was that split into the skexies and the mystics no gelflings oh, are right, 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 gelflings right. are another species yeah. that like a species uh natural to the world right so it's like it, it seemed like to be like a spacefaring species split when the crystal cracked into the skexies and the mystics hmm. and then when they reunite the crystal they like join together and it seems that that was like their plan, like they were like they were like we should have never like cracked the crystal, like we were foolish or whatever. So it's like somehow I guess they wanted to split themselves into like one creepy evil side and then one good balanced side, but then they realized that that wasn't the way to balance. So that's like the overarching <laughs> crux of the movie because each time a Skeksis dies, one of the Mystics dies. Mm-hmm. When a Mystic dies, a Skeksis dies. Like they're the same, right? Like they're they're matched up. Sure. And then they get back together at the end of the like movie. The Death Gate theory. Cycle. Yeah, like the Death Gate cycle. 
Sure. You ever read those? No. no. They were great. These are like wizards are uh, in, in like fantasy land or maybe in Earth, and they like divide the the world into Earth, air, fire, and water separate realms. Mm-hmm. And then like they would have infinite water from the water realm, and they'd open portals to go to the air realm and to the Earth realm, whatever. Okay. And then all the wizards start losing their power, and they fuck everything up, so they all get isolated. And, and then each of the, the civilizations in each world start going extinct until the hero shows up. And mm. It's good. good. Anyway. But there, I mean, there's 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 dumb fantasy quest logic. Like yep. at one point, like when the mystic, when the the old mystic who's training Jen, the Gelfling or whatever, is like on his deathbed, is like when the it's like when the three suns align in the conjunction, like it'll be like the end of the world. I wish I would have told you this sooner. Sarah's like, yeah, I bet he does. Like, <laughs> like, like I waited until my deathbed to tell you about this quest. Super important I'm, stuff. When, when when does that happen? Soon. <laughs> like dies, and you're like, whoa. I guess I gotta go. <laughs> Just like wander off, and then he has no direction, and then he meets Agra and whatever. Like, there's a lot of like, but that. To Scott's point, is a lot of like seventies fantasy quest yeah. where you're just sort of like on your deathbed. You're like, by the way, there's an end of the world situation. Here's your quest. Uh, yeah, there's seventies fantasy could get away with a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just weird that they took that into the eighties. It took that into the eighties and then did it all with puppets. Like it's also just what the hell was Jim Henson doing? Like, imagine where he was in his life at that point. Just say. just making money. Like this yeah. this that's the thing, right? Is that like he already had Sesame Street, he already had the Muppets, he already, like he was already Jim Henson. So yeah. like that's he was like, This is what I want. <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah. like a hundred percent he was like that was like those movies didn't need to get made. He wasn't like I'm sure like scrambling to try to find investors. He was like, I'm Jim Henson. I have this project. I can make this happen. I have the Hollywood club. He could probably have done whatever he wanted at that point. And I, I mean, and by all accounts, it's like, it's still beloved, right? Like, I mean, it's beloved to the point that they got made a Netflix, a, they made a Netflix series. series in 2019, you know, like with a ridiculous all-star cast. I've heard good things about it. Like it, 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 I haven't watched a single episode of it, but apparently it gets weirdly commentary about the state of the world right now and in a very subtle ways. Well, <laughs> well I mean... Picturing a Donald Trump puppet wandering dude, like, through it, the even, even Sarah watching The Dark Crystal, though, was like... Like immediately being, she's like, like, like they're like the Skeksis are legitimately like climate change deniers, right? Yeah. They're like they're yeah. they're drawing all the life force out of the land, and they're only concerned with their own immortality and not like where that comes from. Yeah, like that's literally that's like like Sarah was like, oh, so this is like a climate change movie. I'm like, yeah, basically from the from the 80s. Yeah, like from the early 80s before we really knew yeah. about it. But it was like that is that's right there in the Dark Crystal. Like it wouldn't take too much for someone to, I mean, I'm assuming, take a look at that and be like, oh wow, there's a lot of. There yeah. are like ripe story hooks within the Dark Crystal that you could probably expand out, but it basically becomes like a very kind of point A to point B quest film about right. like find the shard, put the shard in the thing, watch a lot of cool puppets, do yeah. cool puppet stuff. Did um, would you recommend this movie? Is this is this? Um, I mean, if you like the Dark Crystal, I'm mm-hmm. sure you like watching the Dark Crystal, like. I don't so from my understanding this the series takes place this would probably be like <clears throat> well, the movie is probably like the the triumvirate right you get labyrinth the never ending story and the dark crystal for like that 80s what about the land of far away starring young christian bale I no, did not no, see one, that. no one knows what that is. Well, so I'm gonna go back to the three movies I mentioned. Owned it on VHS. It had a floating head with a beard. <laughs> Christian Bale swung around in the beard. Is this like the Sinbad 
genie movie? No, this is real. <laughs> this is, and I honestly, to this day, believe my parents bought me the wrong film. <laughs> I think that they intended on buying me the Neverending Story, but they bought me the Land of Faraway. <laughs> but, but it does star young Christian Bale. That's facts. Yeah, Sinbad was in a genie movie. No, this Got is it. real. But yeah, but like you get those three fantasy movies in the mid '80s that are weird and dark. Yeah, and, and stranger than you think that would be okay for for young audiences. Yeah, yep, that's fair. Yep. Like probably, and I mean, I, and I think that might have come out of like weirdly, we might have like Star Wars to thank for sure. There like was, even though fantasy elements, yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. That's it. Where people are like, oh, magic and stuff. Kids like this crap. And the freaking mm-hmm. Ewok Adventures movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ewok Adventures are like a lot more into fantasy, also. Yep. Um, yeah, so I guess we could do a rank. Like, would you recommend? It's hard as yeah. a as a historical like event. Event. Are we ranking the movie or the, the Dark series? Crystal. I haven't watched the series. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was to to get ready for it. To get ready for it. And I think that the series takes place in um, like earlier in the age of the yeah. Land. It's a prequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's before. it. Because I mean, like, there's like a bunch of Gelflings and stuff. Somehow I. Brought my phone in here to listen to, and, and you have not. I don't have it. Where it is? You want yeah. to hear a ticket? Right, Let's we'll start with like ninety nine, one hundred. Ghost in the Shell, the live action, or one hundred is Moana. <sighs> yeah, I guess that's like it's that is in the because underneath that we get the Might strangers even go a little pray above. at night. Above that we get King Arthur, Legend of the Swords, uh, Winchester, and Bird Box. I think it might lock in above King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Hmm. That was quick. I think that's what I'm saying, because I was like... So right below Winchester, right above King Arthur, yeah. Legend of the Sword? Yep. Like that I said, that I mean, sounds pretty low. I, I kind of remember this fondly, but I will certainly acquiesce. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. go go for it. Like, I mean, yeah. it's it's there. It's on Netflix. Like, yeah. I was like... I was like, oh... I'll but just... I mean, that's not a bad place. Above that is Bumblebee, with which Keith loved. Yeah. Last Action higher. Hero, Bumblebee which I liked a lot. Yeah. Bumblebee uh, should be higher. Karate, karate Kid, Kid is right there. Like, like I, would, I would watch Karate Kid every day before Dark Crystal again. Sure, sure, sure. Like, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm again saying this is Dark Crystal. Like, this is like Labyrinth. Ooh. I'd be like shoving way the heck up there because mm-hmm. of the songs. And also still has all the artistry and the puppets. Go go back and try and rewatch it. It's, I, a, it's a bit of a rough go. I've, it's I've, I've, oh, yeah. I've, I've done it. I, like, I rewatched it with Sarah and Sarah, Sarah, hey, yeah. Did it, and I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm. Debbie made me turn it off. I'm really willing. Didn't even finish it. Yep. I'm willing to like acquiesce that Labyrinth is definitely a nostalgia glasses film, where I'm just sort of like, like I don't know. With the Karate Kid, I fall pretty in line with Peter David, which is it's the perfect Hollywood scripts. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Like uh, the perfect perfect example of three act structure is the Karate Kid. <laughs> is yeah. the Karate Kid. No, but yeah, but like. Like, don't go that way. Like, if she would have gone, you know, that way, she would have gone straight to the court. Like, like what? Else? Like, I know so much labyrinth where I'm like that little preamble, mm-hmm. and I can see the lines coming, so it's hard to detach and watch. Sure, the movie, and I'm like, David Bowie's gonna throw that baby up into the sky and just walk away, and Goblin's gonna catch him. <laughs> <laughs> Speak a uh, footnote onto the on movies on rewatch and beloved movies or whatever. Just uh, Pat had uh, Pat made Rachel watch. Wet Hot American Summer, and, and I was like, and I was like, and was it like one of the funniest movies ever made? And she was like, genuinely yes. And I was like, yes. <laughs> she was like, like to watch it as someone who's like younger than us mm-hmm. has no weird like love of the eighties, <laughs> like because like there is a bit of like eighties yeah. vibe and stuff that totally, goes totally. that goes into early eighties vibe that goes into it. Like no love of the eighties, younger than us, and had not has not watched it to death, 
watched it in a void in 2019 mm-hmm. and was like, it's, she's like, I'm sure not as in love with it as I probably am, but she was still like, she's I don't like, think anyone is in love with it. That's as, fair. As you probably are. That's very true. But she was still like, it's, she was like, it's among the funniest movies I've ever seen. I, I say that with a sar- sarcasm in my voice, but I did watch all of both of the seasons that Netflix released and yeah. like, like enjoyed that process. And they're okay. And the yeah. movie is I, I better than the, those series. I think the movie yeah. is funny. I yeah. just don't think it's the pinnacle of like, you know, Smithsonian level of pure like to comedy. me like I mean uh, we've talked about this a lot we should I I wanted like we should try to maybe do like a Patreon thing whatever like a top five or something like mm-hmm. like just because I was like like I I think of it if I think of like funniest movies ever made I'm not necessarily gonna say it is the but I'm like there's no way in my mind it doesn't like make top five like that's in, in like in my head I'm like I'm not necessarily willing to be like it is the funniest but I'm like like. You know, I'm like, like other stuff. I'm like, maybe Ferris Bueller. Uh, that's my See, that's, instinct go to. You know, and I'm like, and again, I'm like, <clears throat> it's very funny. But I'm then I'm like, but I'm like, quantity of laughs. I probably laughed harder at like Wet Hot American Summer over Ferris Bueller. But I'm like, but like, well, to me, like, to I mean, <laughs> one of the movies I've laughed the hardest at <laughs> was Hot Rod, and I'm not gonna throw that up there. It's <laughs> one of the funniest movies of all time. Right, because Hot Rod, <laughs> Hot Rod wasn't like. Trying to be intelligent or anything, right? Yeah. And, no, like, and maybe there was parts I, of that movie where I had to pause it to catch my breath. <laughs> doesn't uh, doesn't mean it's going to rank. Does your my... wife also hate Hot Rod? Yeah, yeah. My oh, wife yeah. that that is like Sarah and I like see eye to eye on a lot of comedy, but not, not Hot Rod. She's like Hot Rod is the worst. But it, I'm like, but it's but, definitely not the worst. It, it is absolutely definitely not the worst. Yeah. But then, but then you say that. But now I'm like, yeah, it's certainly not the funniest. Maybe not top five. But then I'm like, it might sneak in at like nine or ten. And like top 10 funny movies like hot rod is very funny <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like like i'm not like i don't think i do it, love that movie like i don't think it can hit some of the greats but i'm like hot rod i feel bears like some mention. bears some mention and is like higher ranked i think than history would give it credit for fun fact about wives and, and hot rod the only uh-huh. thing that my wife laughed at in that movie cool beans really that freaking scene did mm-hmm. something to her soul. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Beans, yeah. beans. Cool, cool, cool. It like rewrote some neurons in your brain that there's can't so, ever be undone. So much good stuff in Hot Rod when they ring the bell. Ding. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> that, that's like what Happy Madison movies should be. Like the they, should, where, they should look the at Hot Rod and be like, yeah. this is like hot, like hot Rod, like, when people talk about like, it's a great stoner comedy, I'm like, no. Hot Rod is great stoner comedy because it's hilarious if you watch it sober. It will kill you if you're stoned. <laughs> like, it is so, like, it's very funny. You don't need to be stoned. But if you're stoned, you will die watching Hot Rod. Like, it's just, like, it touches, like, those, like, dumb, like, dumb funny again and again being like, this is so stupid and so funny. It commits. It yeah, commits. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, that is, to me, Hot Rod is the perfect stoner comedy. And, and all the characters win. Even their little bit characters. The guy who dances all the time. Yeah. Chester. Chester. Like, <laughs> it's funny. Want to come in the pool? <laughs> That's so good. Oh, my God. Oh, man, I'm rethinking this. It might make the top five. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to. We have a few minutes remaining. Uh-huh. I want. I want to mention that Tool put out an album. Oh yeah, it's been thirteen years, twelve years since the last one. No. Yes, twelve. 
Twelve. Twelve. And um, the uh, so in the the process was very difficult for these boys. And on the one hand, there was a very uh, lengthy uh, legal battle with their with one of their labels that yep. they tried to get out of that delayed the album. But along this entire miserable time, uh, I think Maynard said in an interview, eventually they gave up on writing together. The band finished every track and then sent him finished tracks, and he just sang over them. Cool. So cool. There, wow. there's a criticism which that, which yep. which we don't want to diminish. Is the writing process of Elton John and What's-His-Face? Who's What's-His-Face? The guy who writes all of the music. Really? Or all the lyrics. Right? Elton John sends... Or it's vice versa. Either yeah. one of them sends finished lyrics. Either the guy... Who's the guy? I don't know. Come We're on. We have need to, to look this yeah. over. But this sounds a little bit like the Marvel method. Really? Oh, the yeah, writer just... would be like, hey, so this is the story. Just draw it. And then when you send it back to me, I'll, I'll put, I'll put the, the dialogue, dialogue in. Huh. Well, okay, so then, then, then you know, we can't criticize the method. Maybe other artists have successfully uh, utilized this one. Well, uh, ups and downs. Sometimes the artist is like, this is what I'm trying to convey. And the writer is like, I can't. That was that. the opposite of what Bernie, I wanted. So Bernie I'm going to try to change it back with the words. Yeah. Bernie Taupin. So Bernie Taupin writes all of Elton John's lyrics. Okay. Weird. And like all of them. Like think about every. There's a lot of. He has good lyrics absolutely right right? and so and i believe bernie topin sends him like finished poems essentially and elton john is like and now candle in the wind like and then just like and they like they send shit back and forth and that is like genuinely their creative process and it's like it's literally they need each other because elton john stuff without bernie topin is garbage and no one remembers it and bernie topin tried to write for other people mm-hmm. and none of that worked either so it's like there's a magic that happens but it, both of them happen in like a vacuum like Topin has no inputs on the music that right. Elton John makes and Elton John has no input on the lyrics that Bernie Topin well, makes. I don't imagine, know. imagine being handed the line hold me closer tiny dancer and you're like, and like I'm gonna make this magic no it's so it's <laughs> so, so crazy like like even just like like, like you think about like the meaning and the oomph that Elton John even puts into those lyrics as a performer, and he has n- he nothing. did not write them at all. Nothing to do with them, but then also like so perfectly brought piano to them. Mm-hmm. Like to think that though they're that detached, that he has nothing to do with them. They're like, here's a poem that I wrote. Sing it and write piano, and he's like, hits. <laughs> like just like home running them. It's it's the weirdest That's thing. Weird. So just saying that process. I don't know. So does it work like Elton John for uh, Tool? We don't have enough time now. Yes, we do. <laughs> you've, you've, you, I started talking about Tool, and then you spent five minutes talking about Elton John. It's fascinating, but how does it work? How does it go? It's proggy, well, it, right? It, it, yeah, it doesn't really work out that well. Some, the songs, like, uh, many of them sound like a rehashed version of Tool songs from another album. Oh. So it's not necessarily terrible, and they are definitely bringing new stuff to them, but, you, like, you hear riffs that make you go, oh, yeah, I thought I heard this on Lateralis, and, oh, this was from Enema. And it kind of, at first I was thinking that they had just done that on purpose. They're doing like a Tool reboot. They're going to like do all their old <laughs> shit again and whatever. But that was not the case. And Like when Daft Punk released the live and you're just like, oh yeah, it's the same songs. Just on top of each other and a million times more energetic and, yep. yeah, and, yeah. and the best. And but the that best. was also a live album. That yeah. wasn't a full album, which this is. But, but a live really was though. It was such a, it was like a. Right, but it was know. still. It wasn't a live album like 
anyone else had ever done a live album before. No, sure, but uh, but but it was still they were not presenting. Here's new material. They were like, here's all our material, which is not the case. Not here. Tool is like these are new songs. So a lot of the times Maynard comes in and he's just like like singing to whatever you know the bass line is or singing to whatever the guitar line is. Mm-hmm. It, he, it felt like he was like really uninspired the whole way through. And his lyrics, which in Lateralis and Ten Thousand Days, become a lot of like hippie. Yeah. Transcendent yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of shit. Like there's there's like a humor in the early albums here and there that that does not translate through. So this whole kind of thing and like in Anima, he's singing about all this stupid Jungian philosophy stuff, but then he also has a song where he screams German a German recipe for pop brownies, you know? Yeah. So like, you know, he's taking the piss out of himself a little bit. This whole album comes off as him doing it all really seriously, so you kinda of think he's maybe eaten He's like buying into all this stuff yeah, way yeah, yeah. more than you probably should. He drank the Kool Aid. He drank the Kool Aid. Kool Aid. Kool Aid. I don't want to. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to give that to him. That was. It was, it good. was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it was fast. I, the, the like, you can't totally criticize them all because some of the songs are pretty badass. Mm-hmm. But um, there was like a magic that's gone. Oh yeah. For me anyway. I don't know. Maybe you guys should listen to this. I mean, I've give it I've, a, give it a, I've give it a intended swing. to, and then yeah. haven't really been like. In a spot. I don't know like, that you were ever that big of a tool. I was, I was, I was never a huge tool guy. I saw them yeah. live when they came, though. They put on good shows. I mean, two, three yeah, ago. they put yeah, on yeah, very yeah, good yeah, shows. Very, very good. Maynard yeah. is 55. Yeah. So 12 years ago. 12 40. years ago, he was 41. And, then, yeah. and, and, and that, that album like is not, last. like, the no, most No, 10,000 Days was not the best. The, the best yeah, exactly. The that's it. Yeah. So you're, like, you're, you're, in that, you're in that Trent Reznor, like, I expected to be dead by now. <laughs> I, I, like almost. I saw like. Maynard do the the hour and a half on Joe Rogan, and yeah. I was like depressed watching him talk. He felt like a very self absorbed rock and roll guy who's who's like on the interview in the middle of the interview with with Joe Rogan. He stops to tweet stuff, and Joe Rogan is like, "Are you are you tweeting? What are you doing, man?" And he's like, oh, "No, no, no, no. If if the Tool fan army doesn't get this news before I say it live on the show, then they're going to be pissed at me." Okay, hold on. And like, okay, buddy. This is Rogan live streams. I this guess? Is, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah, he he does the show live, and then and okay, then, and then he posts the thing. So, I don't know, man. That's I, weird. I, yeah, it bumps me up. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, give it a listen. Uh, maybe maybe I'll you're gonna have a different experience. I mean, and I guess we we are we're a little we're running short for time, so we have to wrap up. But on the notion of like revisiting stuff from like a decade ago, yeah. I mean, I guess we can keep, leave it for next episode. No, no, no I'm just saying. I watched Enter the Florpus. Oh, you did! Invaders What'd you think? End of the yeah. floor business. Oh, it was so good. I yeah. mean, there's but like you see what I mean about the start of it. If you're not already a Zim fan, there's some rough. Goes. Not just the start of it. I think yeah. the, the the entire thing is just sort of like you're on board for this, right? And I'm like, <laughs> like, like you're just like there's nothing. It brings nothing new to the form, <laughs> not at all. Like it. And subsequently, like, exposes itself a little bit, because even as someone who really enjoys Invader Zim, I was like, these are not supposed to last an hour and a half. No. I was like, these are supposed to be 15-minute in and outs. Is, it, is yeah. it weird that Netflix isn't showing, like, Rocco's Modern Life and Invader Zim? But then have the movies, yeah. The yeah. The movies? It's very strange. I feel like it's a test anyway, though. Like, they're, they're going to see if people like them. They might pick up the show. Sure. It, it was, yeah, I thought it was, like, delightful. I will say, I mean, so just, like, real... Real quick, yeah. uh, inv- the Invader Zim has apparently been like hidden for ten years, hiding in a toilet or whatever, yeah. and then Dib has been monitoring him, and then he just pops out to be like, "Ha I've lured you into complacency," and that's then it. and that's the setup, and then they're like, "And now an Invader Zim adventure." Why are they still kids? <laughs> <laughs> I waited eight long years, but they're all still children. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> it's complete nonsense. It never gets addressed. Nobody even comments. Yeah, why would they? Yeah. And, but yeah, there's like the Almighty Tallest being the Almighty Tallest and refusing yep. to only fly in a straight line, <laughs> not divert from course. They're like, it's space. We could go in any direction. <laughs> but it's not a straight line. So, they're like, but it is, but like upwards. No! Just like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a dumb Invader Zim thing. They accidentally teleport the planet. Uh, into the path of the Into the, the path of a Florpus. Into the path of the Armada. And also uh, while opening up a Florpus, which is like a dimension ripping, like wormhole kind of thing. And then. Mm-hmm. They, science. Science! Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then they battle it with science. Like, the one thing that I will say is a, a mini um, uh, critique. Mm-hmm. Is that I I weirdly disliked the fact that the membrane family came together, and I was like, no, I don't like so. So it's a like, for character for the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. Whereas it's like Gaz, who hates Dib and is just generally hates everything, kind of like shows some love for her brother Dib, and then Dib kind of comes to an understanding with Professor Membrane, mm-hmm. who usually is just sort of like, you're an idiot, child. Like, and I was like, the fact that they kind of like came together to overthrow Zim, I was like, eh. I was like, that's kind of like you know what I mean, like yeah. a little off off character. Gur, I think, was a little too gurry, too gurry, and like a little play by numbers. I think that they should have maybe done that. Although, I mean, I I did die laughing when <laughs> like he just shoots the pug into space, and then he's just sort of like, why did you do that? I don't know. I love that pug. <laughs> <I> just gets <laughs> so sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, but like Gur was, I think, cranked up to Gur, and yeah. like I was like, eh could have done you know he's only going to get so many chances to revisit these characters sure he might add some of those he, he presses to. the button and he's just sort of like it's like where's the fire and just shoots peanuts <laughs> and then he's like oh wait press the fire button and like or press the peanut button and it shoots fire but also peanuts there's <laughs> yeah just so much stupidity sarah uh was like you watched this alone <laughs> <laughs> like we were gonna watch it together and she was like i've thought about it i don't care you just watch this by yourself. Yeah. And yeah, I was absolutely, I think, thrilled that there was more Invader Zim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't, like, it didn't elevate Zim, Zim at all. At all. Yep, it was yep. just, like, it was just cool that there was more of it. Yep. So, I mean, I guess that is kind of like Tool, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm a little hopeful, though, that there's, like, they're going to they're gonna get a little criticism. They're going to try and get back together. They're going to have the freedom to do whatever they want with their new label. Maybe there's, a, there's another album coming. But mm-hmm. if they sing or, another song about... Or just... Yeah not work together anymore and have Maynard make his own stuff and have Tool make their own well, stuff. he like, has been, right? Like, he did Pussifier put out a bunch of albums and also Perfect, Circle, also Perfect Circle was all in the middle of all this. So it's not like he hasn't been busy and holy fuck, he spent like half of the, the Joe Rogan thing talking about his winery and how proud he is of his, his grapes. Cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Not like, cool. Not cool. Not yeah, cool. Yeah. Not I cool. mean, no but it is or cool if you stop being in Tool. You yeah. know what I mean? You know where it's just sort of like anyway. I mean, I'm I don't have that voice in me anymore. So anyway, I make yeah. wine. I'd be like, okay, cool, Maynard. Good like for I'm you. like, you, yeah. you you can let that go. Like I think that's okay. <laughs> like, I have a vineyard, and this life experience has contributed to this new Tool album. Wait, no. Hey. Oh, no. I mean, what is it? The third. Um, oh, what's the band? The uh, Grand Don't Come for Free and Original Power Material. Oh, uh, the streets. The streets, yeah. yeah. The third streets album. Yep. We're rich know. now. We can't really... T- what do we yeah. do? Like, <laughs> and that's the third album. Like, which, I, which is a very honest way of being like, yeah, you can't sit there rapping about being poor in London when anymore. You're not. You're not. Like, yeah. And it would be complete nonsense for you to try to go back. And it's like, and yeah, if you're owning... <laughs> complete nonsense or Eminem. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, but like, so... 
Yeah, if you're Tool and you own a vineyard and a winery and all that, or you're Maynard and you well, own a vineyard and a winery, like it has, it hasn't necessarily compromised you as a person, but it potentially has like removed a creative deposit for which you, you can withdraw. I, I don't know that that's true because the, the angst peaked in uh, Enema and yeah. then you go to la, like Lateralis which is starting to get the hippie stuff but still has a bit of the edge from, from yeah, Enema yeah. and then you get 10,000 Days which is a whole lot of they did so much DMT, guys. So yeah. much DMT <laughs> went into fueling those albums. Uh-huh. And then this one is just like they're doing the same thing as before. The, the songs are long and heavy. Yes, Maynard is doing the same old shit lyrics. At, mm-hmm. and, and you're just, okay. Have on. you analyzed the lyrics at all? Like, are they like... I don't think they're that... I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been is this Is this Death Magnetic or is this Chinese Democracy? Death Magnetic. Right. Death Magnetic had some good moments. I, I, I don't know about Chinese Democracy. I don't think so. There's not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I think that was it. Bye! Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you could get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9to5.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.